Okay, we're in week number four here. Week number four of our series, Love One Another. And I'm excited to get back into it here today. Uh, we're going to be in several passages in God's Word that are so powerful on this topic of comforting one another. Yeah, that's going to be week four here uh, of our series. And we've already uh, seen this model shown to us by Jesus. Uh, it's empowered by Jesus. Yeah, we covered the new commandment that Jesus gave to love one another as he loves us. We've also talked about acceptance that is grounded in truth. And last Sunday, we talked about submitting to one another by yielding to God's order in the home, the government, and the church. And submission is a huge part of our Christian relationship. Uh, this morning, week four, we're talking about loving one another in comfort. Now, comfort in the New Testament uh, is not referring to physical comforts like your Barca lounger or your cup of hot chocolate or the heated seat in your car or the gadgets that seem to be attached to your hands. Uh, it's talking about filling a spiritual need or easing the burden of a soul. In a world of pain and sorrow, comfort is a necessary one another in the body of Christ. Now, our text passage today is in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And in 1 Thessalonians 4, it speaks of one of the great comforts that believers in Jesus have, which is the hope of our Savior's return. If we did not have the hope of Christ's return, this world would be an impossible place to live, right? We would have no hope for the present day because we have no hope for the future. But we trust in the hope of eternal life which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. And we look for that blessed hope and the glorious return of our Savior. And uh, looking uh, at 1 Thessalonians 4 this morning, speaking of one of these great comforts. Now, 1 Thessalonians was written to the church in Thessalonica, and many of the believers uh, there in that church were confused about what happens to believers who die before Christ's return. And that's been, of course, a question in every age. What happens to believers who die before Christ's return? And so Paul was offering them comfort through truth. Uh, by the way, the comfort of lies may help momentarily, but it only hurts more in the end, uh, right? If, if you try to comfort somebody by fibbing to them, Everybody loses in the end. Uh, real comfort, just like real acceptance, is always grounded in truth. Yeah, if you have a devastating illness, you know, your doctor could lie to you and tell you that you're just fine. But that just ends up hurting you and all the people around you. Uh, sadly, we live in a world today that finds its greatest comfort in lies, right? <laughs> Just tell me what I want to hear so I can be happy. And uh, there are even believers uh, who maybe they, they wouldn't say this purposely, but kind of internally, they want to go to a church where the sermons uh, are all kind of this self-help dogma. 
where sin's not addressed, where Holy Spirit conviction is absent, and where things are just comfortable. Uh, Paul said this to Timothy, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. I'm pretty sure we're living in that era. Uh, Some people are so interested in comforting their souls that they fiercely hold on to lies. Now, here's the sad news. In Revelation 20, at the great white throne judgment, there will be millions and millions of souls that kneel before the righteous judge to face the penalty of eternal death. And I guarantee you that some of them will be surprised because everything they bought into on this earth was a lie. And I'm telling you, there is no comfort in lies. Now, here we go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, and let's start verse number 13. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren. You just imagine a preacher in the 21st century standing up there and saying that to people. Yo, sheep, I don't want you to be ignorant, right? Paul says, I don't want you to be ignorant concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and we do believe that, amen, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Now look at verse 18. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Now this morning we're going to walk through the New Testament's teaching on comforting one another. And uh, let's start with the model of comfort. The model of comfort. And go with me to John chapter 14. The notes are in your bulletin this morning. They're also on the YouVersion app. And I uh, so appreciate the folks who work on our bulletin and our children's bulletin. And uh, God bless them. John chapter 14. Jesus uh, promised his disciples that he would not go back to heaven and leave them comfortless. That's what he said. He said, uh, I will not leave you comfortless. Yeah, that's such a beautiful phrase. Uh, The comforter would come and abide with believers. Now, the comforter is the Holy Spirit of God, the third person of the Trinity. At the moment of salvation, a believer is baptized into the Holy Spirit. And when you are saved, in that moment, you get all of the Holy Spirit you will ever get. Okay? There is no degree of how much of the Spirit you get at certain times. You get all of the Spirit at once. 
He comes and indwells you. And he provides comfort to you based upon your submission to him. Now, I heard one old preacher say it this way. You have all the Holy Spirit, but he might not have all of you. Okay, so really, if you don't submit to the Spirit's leading, uh, He doesn't force you, He doesn't push you, He doesn't drag you. The Holy Spirit whispers, the Holy Spirit nudges, the Holy Spirit convicts, and the Spirit's comfort is fully sufficient for God's children. In fact, His comfort is the basis for our comfort of one another. Now, I want you to notice with me some of the traits that the Comforter brings to the model of comfort. These things that the Holy Spirit brings to comfort are things that we bring to comfort one another. So look at John 14 at verse number 16. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another Comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless, I will come to you. Look at verse 26. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. So where do we get comfort from? We get it from remembering what God has said. That's what it comes from, remembering what God has said. There was a soldier in the Vietnam War. His name was Red McDaniel. And Red was captured by the, uh, the Vietnamese. <clears throat> His plane was shot down, and they put him inside one of those boxes uh, that you couldn't stand all the way up in and you couldn't lay all the way down in. And uh, so he's kind of had his body crushed in one of those boxes for almost six years. And Red McDaniel didn't have, he had nothing. They'd bring in some rotten rice and throw it at him a couple times a day and barely give him enough water to live. But inside of, of that cage, inside of that uh, metal structure where it was 120, 130 degrees, uh, he began to remember from Sunday school the memory verses that he had learned as a Sunday school kid. He had uh, all through his youth group time, and even when he had strayed from God, he remembered those verses, and he began to make on the wall uh, of his cage and with toilet paper that they gave him and charcoal what he called the toilet paper Bible. And he would write everything he remembered from every book of the Bible. So he started with Genesis. And he remembered, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. By the way, if some people would just get that verse right, they'd figure a whole lot of stuff out. Right? In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. In fact, if they just got, in the beginning, God, they'd figure a whole lot of stuff out. Uh, but Red, he wrote down those verses, and then he'd think about what else happened in Genesis, and then he'd think about Exodus, and he wrote down what he could in Exodus. He didn't remember much from Leviticus, because who does, right? Uh, and Numbers and, and Deuteronomy, and he went through, and he kept that thing. And, you know, it was his most prized possession in his entire life, not just from his time in the cage, but for his whole life. 
because God brought him comfort through the Word. And God brings us comfort through the Word applied by the Holy Spirit. Now look at John 16, and let's see some other traits of the Comforter. Okay, so John chapter 16 now, verse number 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he is come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment, of sin because they believe not on me, of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more, of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. I have yet many things to say unto you, but you cannot bear them now. How be it when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. So comfort, once again, is grounded and guided by truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. And he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine, and shall show it unto you. Now, in those verses we just read, we see the traits of the model of comfort that God wants us to have for one another. And all of those traits come through the Comforter, the Holy Spirit. Now, let's go to another passage in Romans chapter 1, and let's see the second part of the message today, the, the mutuality of comfort, the mutuality of comfort. And we see this extraordinary thing in Romans chapter 1. Now, according to God's plan, the giver of comfort is also a receiver of comfort. And this is crazy how this happens. Romans 1, verse number 11. For I long to see you, that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift, to the end you may be established. That is, that I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and me. And so instead of considering comfort or viewing comfort as an of proposition, and the comfort of this person, or, or comfort for this person, we should consider it a with opportunity, that I may be comforted together with you. Now, godly comfort is mutual. Uh, both givers and receivers are comforted together. Uh, look back to verse 8 uh, in this same passage, Romans 1. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers. Now, Paul was praying for these believers in Rome that he had never met, and his prayers led to their comfort. But his prayers also led him to love this group of people in a special way. As he prayed for them, it made his heart grow fonder toward them. And this always works. Uh, if you have a person you're struggling to get along with, Commit to praying for that person every day for a month. And as you pray for that person, you know God hears and answers prayer. God blesses that person 
But in the exercise of prayer, he also changes your heart toward the person. There is a mutual comfort. Mutual comfort has an incredible effect. Uh, as a pastor, I, I have witnessed people in some dark, dark moments of grief. And sometimes uh, I have been, uh, many times I've been in, in, in the room when a person has, has gone into eternity. And sometimes I've seen a, a grandparent uh, who is suffering loss stoop down to hug a confused grandchild who doesn't fully understand loss. And in that hug, they have both received comfort. Uh, both spirits are restored. Both hearts are strengthened. I remember when 9-11 happened, uh, so many people who were adults back then said, you know, I just wanted to go home and hug my kids. And, and think about that. Was that to comfort their kids or to comfort themselves? Well, actually, it was both. Mutual comfort. When Paul comforted his brothers and sisters across the globe, he was comforted. Now, did all the people that Paul comforted uh, end up following through by serving God with their lives? No. Uh, sadly, some gave up the fight. Some fell by the wayside. Some even became enemies of the man who had comforted them. And I'm sure that hurt Paul. And in fact, I know it did. At the end of his life, he wrote this to Timothy in 2 Timothy 4. Do thy diligence to come shortly unto me. For Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world, and has departed unto Thessalonica, Crescens to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Take Mark and bring him with thee, for he's profitable to me for ministry. Now listen to verse 16 from 2 Timothy 4. He said, At my first answer, no man stood with me, but all men forsook me. I pray God that it may not be laid to their charge. Notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me and strengthened me. Now here's the deal. The one another comfort of the New Testament is a mutual comfort. It isn't of or for, it's with. And when people fail in their part of that agreement, the Lord never does. Now, your friends may mess up when they're comforting you, but the Holy Spirit is the constant comforter. He is always abiding in the life of the yielded believer. And here's another thing we know. You won't find comfort <clears throat> when you isolate yourself from comforters, right? It's kind of like you're in the house, right? And you say, man, I'm really cold. And there's a stack of blankets like 10 high over in the corner, but you never get one. And you just walk around the house all the time and say, man, I'm really cold. And so in our house, if you say I'm cold, we tell you, go get a blanket, right? Common sense. Go get a comforter. Get something to warm you up. Yeah, but a lot of people, they isolate themselves from comforters, whether that's people or the Holy Spirit. In fact, you think about it, why do so many people seek comfort in substances? 
in food, in events, in concerts, in Netflix, in Amazon, etc., etc. Many times it's because they've isolated themselves from those who would comfort them. One of the great dangers of the 21st century in the social media movement is the lack of in-person comforters. When you try to do everything through a machine, you're not going to get the same level of comfort. You need people around you. Uh, I I love our small group, and tonight we can't meet because we've got so so many people who've been sick. But they've been praying with us for, for a really long time, and we haven't really shared it with the church family, but Amy texted me this morning and just feel led to share about this. Uh, our little guy Titus is four. And Titus, when he was three months old, <clears throat> health and welfare called us and said, hey, we have a sibling of, of two of your kids, and he's three months old. He's in the hospital right now. In his bloodstream, there was enough meth to kill a human male. Uh, and uh, his, he also had a broken arm. And they said, would you take him in as a foster child? And so we took Titus in, and we had him for about six months. And then he went back to his birth mom. And and about a year and a half later, uh, he came to us again and had cigarette burns on his back and ended up coming to us. And he's been with us now solid for uh, at least 24, 25 months. And the judge last year gave us permanent guardianship of Titus just to keep him safe. And so thank the Lord for that. Well, uh, there was a, a court case, and uh, the, the birth mother uh, tried to have our guardianship removed. And so she sued us for it. We had to hire lawyers, and it has been a long ordeal. And lots and lots of uh, pain, burdens, tears, especially for Amy, and a, a ton of attorney fees. And uh, so a couple weeks ago, the judge said, hey, if such and such is not done by a certain day, you can file to have the case dismissed. And so uh, about a week and a half ago, we filed to have the case dismissed. And Amy looked on the court docket this morning, and it said those two words, case dismissed. Uh, So praise God for that. Um, But you know, God has been our strong comfort through all of them. But we've also had people who've comforted us uh, because they've been there. They've been close. They've been in proximity. And uh, people always worry, well, I, you know, if something happens to somebody and they have a trial and I go, I won't know what to say. I won't know what to do. And you know what the best thing to do and say is? Don't worry about it. Just show up, Right? Uh, people aren't going to remember what you said when they went through the greatest trial of their life. They're just going to remember you were there. And and so don't isolate yourself. Because if you isolate yourself, uh, you don't get the mutual comfort. Right? Why do we lack people to comfort us? Well, because comfort's mutual. We only lack receiving it when we lack giving it. And if you offer comfort to the one and others in your life, there will always be comfort available to you in return. It's mutual. 
It's like what it says in Proverbs. A man that has friends must show himself friendly, right? If you don't ever befriend anyone, then you're not going to have any friends befriend you. Now, let's talk about this third part, the mode of comfort. And this is one of my favorite principles in Scripture. It's found in 2 Corinthians 1. And we find there that God comforts us so that we can comfort others. The mutual aspect of comfort is built into the mode of comfort. God offers us comfort so that we can pass it on. Uh, Although you need comfort from God continually, when do you seem to need it the most? Well, normally during the toughest times of your life, right? During the deepest valleys and darkest nights. And that comfort imprints your spiritual DNA like nothing else. I mean, there are things that shape how we're used by God. There are spiritual gifts uh, given by the Spirit at the time of salvation. Everyone has at least one spiritual gift, but nobody has them all. And uh, we're shaped by that gifting. We're also shaped by the heart passions that God has given us. Uh, There are things that call out a deep-seated righteous action uh, inside of us. And we've often used the term holy discontent uh, here at Centennial. What what we might call a, a Popeye moment. You remember the old cartoon Popeye and his gal olive oil? And when olive oil got in trouble, uh, Popeye would say, that's all I can stand. And I, I got to do the other side of the mouth. Oh, my mic's on this side. I can't, I can't do it on the other side of the mouth. I can only do it on this side. Hey, that's hard. Arr, now I know why Popeye had such a hard time talking. He said, that's all I can stand, and I can stand no more. And he would rip the top off a can of spinach and receive this incredible strength and mobility and go save olive oil. You've had things happen in your life that were Popeye moments. They stirred up a holy discontent in you a big need in the world or here in your own community, and it made you decide to do something about it. That heart passion helps shape you. And so you have heart passions. You have natural abilities that are given to you by God before you're ever born. And he obviously had his kingdom purposes in mind when he made you. Those abilities shape you. Your unique personality is also part of your shape. There's nobody quite like you anywhere. And the people next to you can definitely verify that there's nobody like you. And some of them are saying, thank God, there's nobody like you. Sorry, I got sidetracked. When you combine, though, spiritual gifts, natural abilities, passion, personality, there might be some people who are similar to you. But when you add the life experiences that you've gone through To that mixture, there's absolutely nobody like you. Your experiences have imprinted your spiritual DNA. And God has allowed you to go through all of those things for His glory. Even the experiences you brought on yourself through some really dumb decisions. But you know which experiences have shaped you the most? Guarantee you, it's the painful ones especially the painful ones where you have received God's comfort. 
We are most uniquely shaped for service in God's kingdom through the personal trials that have brought us to the place of comfort. Now, let's look at this in 2 Corinthians 1, verse number 3. Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforteth us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also aboundeth by Christ. And whether we be afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation, which is effectual in the enduring of the same suffering which we also suffer. Or whether we be comforted, it is for your consolation and salvation. And so the mode of comfort is this. God comforts us so that we can comfort others. And many times he uses people comforted through trials to be the source of our comfort. Uh, how did you receive comfort in your greatest pain? Well, it may have been through someone who had already walked that path before you. And now God wants to use your pain for his glory. And can I just say this to you? Maybe you don't understand it. You don't want to internalize it today. But just listen to the words and maybe it'll add up at some point in time. God will never waste one of your hurts. God will never waste one of your hurts. Allow God to use your hurts for his glory. The Spirit comforts us in many ways, often through other believers. And here's the problem, though. If you hide all of your hurts, right? If you are this plastic individual that never shows any hurt or pain, then you're not going to be able to participate in passing on the Spirit's comfort. That's why in the New Testament, fellowship meant to know and be known, right? You had a group of people who knew you, and they knew your pains, and they knew your hurts, and they knew your experiences, and they were able to provide comfort. And it was kind of this circular thing. And, and so participate in the passing on of the Spirit's comfort. Now, this last part of our message, let's talk about the message of comfort. The message of comfort. We started in 1 Thessalonians this morning, and let's go back there now. Uh, in his letters to this church, Paul used the word comfort seven different times. And we're just going to walk through for just a couple of minutes these instances in First and Second Thessalonians that provide for us an overall picture of the comfort God uniquely provides within the body of Christ. Uh, have you ever noticed in your physical body that the comfort of one area of pain can cause your whole body to relax and feel better? Uh, you throw some icy hot on, or my favorite is called penetrate, onto that aching back or that sciatic nerve, and it helps the whole body feel better. That's the way comfort is in the body of Christ. When one part of the body is comforted, it makes the whole body feel better, even when most of the body is not involved. Uh, the one another method is the answer for church health. Now, let's take these instructions uh, to the Thessalonica church one by one. So if you're in 1 Thessalonians, first look at chapter 2 and verse number 11. 
as ye know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father doth his children. So we get to see one of the traits of comfort. It's like a parent caring for a child. Verse, chapter 3, verse number 2. And sent Timotheus, our brother and minister of God, and our fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ, to establish you and to comfort you concerning your faith. So comfort is related to the spiritual aspect of faith. Look at verse 7, chapter 3. Therefore, brethren, we are comforted over you all in all our affliction and distress by your faith. So comfort, we just talked about, comes through distress. It comes through affliction. Chapter 4, verse 18, we already did this one in our text. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Look at chapter 5, verse number 11. Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as also ye do. Verse number 14. Now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly, comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, be patient toward all men. Comfort the feeble-minded means uh, help the people who aren't thinking clearly. Right? When people are weak, when they're distressed, they're discouraged, sometimes they don't think clearly. And they need comfort. They need friendship. They need help. Look at chapter 2 of 2 Thessalonians, verse number 17. Comfort your hearts. Establish you in every good word and work. Now, when we receive God's word, when we study it, when we meditate upon it, and then when we apply it, We bring health to the whole body. A comfort might start with one body part, but it extends to the whole body. Isn't it interesting uh, how putting on a pair of warm gloves when it's cold outside can warm your whole body up? It always cracks me up when we're on vacation somewhere uh, and my wife wants to cool off. She will put her feet in the pool. And apparently that does the trick, right? To put the feet in the pool, it cools the whole body. Hey, you get rid of one splinter in one finger, and suddenly your entire body sighs in relief. The message of comfort, ladies and gentlemen, is for the whole body. And our faith challenge today reminds us of how comfort moves in the body. It moves from part to part. It's a one-another action step. Here's the question of the day. How is God leading you to extend the comfort you've received? That resource of comfort that God has offered to you isn't just for you. It's not designed to stop with one part of the body. Allow God to use his pain, uh, to use your pain for his glory and to comfort one another. Don't ever waste pain. Allow God to use it. He wants to use it. It's the most difficult part of faith. Pain is. Uh, Experiencing pain, going through pain, knowing what to do with pain, and, and then not hiding pain, right? Isn't it interesting we've lived in this time period these last couple of years uh, where normally people, 
when they're sick, you know, they, they want comfort, they want help, but there are people who won't even tell you that they're sick because they're afraid that other people look down on them, right? There's this aspect of it, it's so dumb. It's like, well, I can't say anything because then people will wonder why I did this or didn't do this or I had a mask or I had four masks or, I, you know, whatever I did. And, and so they won't talk about their pain. And it's that way in life, too. Did you know that everybody has pain? When we try to act like we've never had pain, we're like a plastic banana. We're phony. God wants us to be real. Now, we don't need to wear our pain like this badge on top of our shoulder where we're mad at everybody because of our pain, but we needed to put it in perspective of God's entire purpose for our lives. God allows us to go through pain so that he can comfort us in pain so that we can comfort others in pain. And so take those passages we covered today, allow God to use them in your life this week. Let's pray together. Father, thank you that we could come today and receive the comfort of the Scriptures. We thank you that comfort is always grounded in truth. And I pray that you would give us honest hearts before you. Uh, Help us to be real, to tell you when we experience pain, because you already know. And when we tell you, immediately releases the Holy Spirit's comfort into our souls. And then we're able to take that comfort and use it for your glory. Because we have the big picture in mind that we know that the here and now is not all there is. That we have eternal life through Jesus Christ if we've trusted you for salvation. And so I pray that you'd bless now through this week. Once again, we pray for the health of this entire church body and this community at large. And we ask it in Jesus' name, amen.